It's summer 2020, and the COVID-19 pandemic is showing no signs of slowing down. But hidden away in a little aquarium off the coast of Florida, Alex Zhang is having a research experience that could change the course of her career. Hello everyone, and welcome to Keynotes, a brand new miniseries from The Abstract. In public speaking, a keynote is a talk that addresses a main overlying theme, setting the tone for the rest of the speakers. For our miniseries, we'll be exploring three subjects, or themes, through the eyes of six professors and students you may already know. But what you might not know is that each of these people has done incredible work in a field of science. Some of them have done research right out of the doors of Ulrai, while some have ventured across the country and even onto different continents. By the end of this series, I hope we can capture some of the incredible work that McAllister students and faculty have accomplished, and maybe you'll learn something along the way. I'm Catherine Irving, and this is The Abstract. For the next two weeks, our theme is climate change and environmental studies. Most of the time when we think of the environment and climate change, we tend to think about the land we live on, whether that's the falling forests, the ever-expanding deserts, or the thawing permafrost and rapidly receding sea ice. But the unfortunate truth is that the oceans that surround us are in just as much danger as the continents we stand on, and in order to save them, there's a lot of research to be done. That's where people like Alex come in. So when did you kind of be, first become interested in like science, marine biology? Like what kind of sparked your initial joy for it? Yeah, um, so I grew up in New York City. So obviously I didn't really grow up around beaches or like marine life. And I think that's something that really helped me discover that. Where it's because it's something that you see, whether it's through like media or what you learn about. Like when we took biology, I was so much more interested in like marine life than I was in, you know, terrestrial um, organisms. Alex Ang is a junior environmental studies and creative writing double major. You might recognize her from her Instagram, where she gives book recommendations and reviews. But the pages of a book aren't her only happy place. Alex's other place of joy is in a lab, filled to the brim with jugs of nasty-looking yellowish liquid. We'll get to that later. And I think because of that, because I didn't have access to it, it just made, it felt like very untouched. And I was like, okay, this is a curiosity of mine and something that like I want to explore. Um, so... Uh, that that was all just me like self-studying it's stuff that i was passionate about so i would like borrow marine life books from the library to like try to remember their scientific name um and i think where it really started where i thought it could be a possible career was in high school and in my high school it's a high school in um it's in the bronx in new york city and we were required to find a mentor, like find a researcher um, in an institution. They just let us like email a bunch of people. Um, and I was required to find someone, a research that I was interested in and that I wanted to work with on like a two year research project because we'd be with them ever since uh, like sophomore year to senior year. So I ended up cold emailing this lab um, that specialized in like phytoplankton ecology. So they worked with this very spe specific species called Noctiluca scintillans. Um, and all the research that I was reading about it was super interesting. But like 
overall, I really didn't know what marine biology meant. Everything that I've seen was very much like dolphins and like the cute animals. Um, but this is the only thing I could find that was plausible for like marine science in the city. Um, so I just cold emailed them and I, I also emailed a lot of people too for marine science stuff. Again, not a lot in New York City, but they were the, they were the only ones who got back to me. Um, and then after interviewing there and like seeing the lab, meeting the people, seeing the organism, like the species I would work with, I ended up working there for like since ever since like sophomore year of high school in the summer to freshman year of college. And that's kind of where I was like, like I love research and specifically like marine science research. So that's like kind of where it all started. So kind of like how did this passion for marine biology translate to your work in college? Yeah, so so when I was when it came down to choosing colleges, I was very I was very hard on myself because I knew that there were a bunch of great schools for marine biology degrees. Like I could go there for a degree and I could specialize and study what I loved the most. But then I kind of realized that I'd never I'd never studied marine science before in a like educational academia setting. So I opted not to go to school for marine biology for my undergrad because I thought it would dissuade me like away from the field and it would make me like fall out of love with like the passion that I've experienced outside of school. So I just decided obviously come to McAllister, a liberal arts college where I could also explore like my love for writing too. Because if I went to a bigger university um, and pursued like this marine biology degree, I probably like would not have been taking, um, been a double major in creative writing and taking like a bunch of great interdisciplinary like like environmental science classes that we have here. So that was a huge decision because I decided to not, like every time I talk to someone here, I think they're like, well, you wanna be like a marine biologist, like why are you at McAllister? And I think that's like the main reason why is because I didn't want to be studying that like 24 seven. Um, and I think it really worked. Like I, st- this passion is still really, really strong in me and I'm excited to like get out of college and see what's next. In her first semester at McAllister, Alex took an internship at the Como Zoo. There, she did a lot of poop cleaning, but she also had some amazing experiences, like training penguins and getting kisses from sea lions. I was still trying to figure out what I wanted to do in marine science, so I thought like maybe like a, like a zookeeper, like working with marine animals. Um, and while that experience was really insightful, like I trained, um, I helped trained. Uh, the polar bears, like a bunch of marine animals, and I I specifically worked with the penguins, uh, the penguins and the puffins, I specifically worked with them, Um, and it was really nice working with, like, in that field and husbandry, um, but that's definitely not what I want to pursue, and I think doing that internship taught me that. It was super fun, like, I woke up at, like, 7 a.m. while doing, you know, full-time school, to go there to like, you know, clean poop and like feed and train. Um, But it it also just showed me that that's not what I want to do for the rest of my life. So after Komazoo, I decided for the next summer, I wanted to go back to phytoplankton stuff because I really liked that in high school. And I think that's where also I was really surprised that I was so obsessed with phytoplankton because I think that's something that's very much like overlooked or very underrated in marine science like when you think of marine biologists I usually think of like people working with the bigger animals and the you know like diving and all that stuff um but I think working in the lab with phytoplankton was something that I like 
like loved um and I liked research I liked how tedious it was so I last summer I was an NSF REU intern at Moat Marine Laboratory um and despite the pandemic it was actually an in-person internship yeah so I flew to Florida they flew me to Florida and I worked specifically in the phytoplankton ecology program so this was like everything that I wanted it was in the program that I wanted in this specific lab and working with a species that is super common and like very much kind of overstudied but there would just be a lot of information and just a lot of substance for me to play with So in this role, I was basically tasked to, along with my mentor, collaborating with my mentor to come up with like an independent research project. Um, and the species we worked with was different from the Noctilucus sintilans that I worked with in high school. It was Karenia brevis. Um, and this phytoplankton is, is very common in the Gulf of Mexico. It's very much, like I said, overstudied. But the cool thing about this project was that it specifically was about harmful algal bloom mitigation. And what that is, is just like a scientist and researchers trying to find a way to decrease the severity of harmful algal blooms. So like harmful algal blooms, they come from hargal, hab species. So harmful algal blooms short for it's short uh it's long term for habs and they come from these hab species that release toxins um and super high concentrations like you're we're talking usually like when i show people like cells there's just individual cells but just think of these by like the millions and they're releasing toxins and that's what creates these blooms that usually cause a lot of fish kills they also have effect on like the surrounding ecosystem and sometimes like even humans like when we breathe it in so that's kind of where it stems from like we're trying to mitigate it because they just have a super they have a super bad impact on the economy um the health of the ecosystem as well what we've seen with our specific species with Karenia brevis that it has been getting worse and it could be for like a ton of different things um what i've been studying previously in like high school was like environmental stressors and how they affected the growth and that was usually like effects of like global warming like ocean acidification um but i think for crenia brevis a lot of it is like nutrient offloading like there's a lot more nutrients that are causing them to grow more This increase in nutrient offloading is mainly the result of human activity. Usually, nutrient offloading means that nutrients from the soil and waste from animals flow down the river and feed algae in the ocean. However, the presence of people who use a lot of fertilizers for their lawns and crops and who raise lots of animals upsets that balance. With so much organic matter making it into the ocean, the algae become overfed and increase in population, creating HABs. So I was excited because I'm like, mitigation is so creative and fun like i get to channel my creativity of like my two majors and try to come up with like a solution to like mitigate this species um so he told me about a project that they were doing and after doing a bunch of like research because you have to do a ton of reading um, my project was basically looking at the effect of brewer spent grains or so we were using brewer spent grains which if you didn't know is a byproduct of the beer brewing process um, and they have specific chemicals inside of them called flavonoids and these are actually they have an effect on like algae um, and they can kill algae so we were looking at that um, like the effect like the efficiency of brewer spent grains and flavonoids as this mitigation method because 
if we were able to use this method, it's like it's a natural compound, you know, it would it would be really cool. Um, so that's what I was looking at. And that was just really fun because we also brewed beer in the lab um, because, you know, my my mentor, he had brewed beer before and he's like, this is a great opportunity to work with like local breweries and get their spent grain and extract uh, the chemicals from the spent grain. And that was just really a really cool opportunity that I think like solidified my love for not only phytoplankton, but mitigation studies. And like, this is what I want to do like like post-grad like you know after uh hopefully like in my in my research in like grad school or like all that stuff so I think it just solidified the fact that I like I'm in the right place you know like I mentioned earlier despite the pandemic Alex was able to be in person for her RU which she thinks was really valuable I honestly was really fortunate enough to like have been in person for an REU because I think I think REUs are very special because um, an REU stands for like research experience for undergraduates. They're a super common program. The one that I did was the, funded by the National Science Foundation, um, but they're a program that usually involves like usually 10 to 25 students and they all have like mentors from that institution. Um, and you're just a small group of people all studying super different things. Like my roommates, yeah, we were in, I was roommates with two other people who I still talk to today and we still video call every once in a while. It's a very different experience because you're not just in school, but you're kind of like working like a nine to five job. You know, you're going to work, you're basically doing research all day. And once you come home, you kind of don't have anywhere else to talk about that research other than your roommates. So my other roommate was working with stone crabs and we would often help her like collect the stone crabs because she needed them for her research. So it was just an, like an invaluable experience, I think first in like science, science in this academia scientific way because I learned so many new things. I was also able to apply a lot of the things that I had learned like in my previous role. And then in other terms of like just meeting people, like the mentors that I've I've met, the lab, the other lab students who were working there who weren't REUs but were like volunteers, who were like undergrads but also grad students, like just so many people that I still talk to and that like the connections, which I feel like you can make that in Mac too. But I think working outside of Mac lets you meet people from like tons of different institutions. What kind of things do you, like, I know you said you really want to keep doing this sort of like microbiology, like focus on plankton in the future, but what's kind of like next for you? Like, what are your goals for like the summer and beyond? I think for just like the future, I definitely do want to take my like educational studies, like like where I'm at with that like I do want to study marine biology in grad school and I think that's something that I've been like I'm like I've been debating you know I've like I have so much experience in marine science outside of school like do I want to go that you know the extra mile and get like them get a master's like you know hopefully like a PhD um, but I think it's less about the degree for me and like you know achievements and I think it's just having fun and that realizing that I just have so much fun when I'm like hunched over a microscope or like when I'm studying things that just that make me go like wow like this is the world that we live in um Um, So I think that's just more of that. 
like feeling out, trusting my gut. That's definitely a big one because I definitely needed a lot of that when I was navigating like, oh, should I go to school for, should I go to college for marine science? And I think trusting your gut and knowing what's good for you and when you need to like kind of take a step back too. Because I realized that basically every summer since sophomore year of high school, I've been doing research and non-stop like nine to five work with marine science. And I kind of want to take the summer to like, take a step back, if not for like my mental health, but also to realize like, is this what I really want to do? Cause I'm going to be a senior next year. There are specific classes that I, I want to take outside my major just because I'm interested. I'm curious about the world. So hopefully I just spend this summer or like the next semesters or after college, you know, not going straight to grad school, just exploring what I like and hopefully finding a job like after everything that I'm like super happy with. And I thought like, oh, this took a great deal of time to realize that like I wanted to be here and not something that I just like rushed into because like I thought that I wanted to do it. So hopefully just a lot of waiting and I'm a very impatient person. So that's like gonna be hard, but yeah, it's, it, it'll be fun. Next time on The Abstract, we move away from the ocean and into the tropics with a professor who loves all things rainforest. I mean, just to be totally blunt, rainforests are amazing. And I was like, yeah, this is so cool. I should totally study this amazing place that has, you know, the most biodiversity of any terrestrial ecosystem on this planet, you know, stores more carbon in above ground biomass than any other place on this planet. How do environmental scientists stay hopeful about the future in the face of climate change? And how do we build a more diverse and inclusive atmosphere in the field of science? Find out more next week. This episode was reported and produced by me, Katherine Irving. Our media editor and audio engineer is Corey Suzuki, and our theme music is by the Blue Dot Sessions. If you enjoyed this episode of The Abstract and you want to be a part of its creation, reach out to us at kirving at mcallister.edu. Whether you're interested in researching, writing, editing, guest hosting, or literally anything else, we need you badly and would love for you to join the team. Once again, you can reach me at kirving at mcallister.edu if you're interested, or if you have any thoughts about the episode you'd like to share. The Abstract is a podcast from the Mac Weekly, your independent student newspaper. For more news like this, subscribe to our newsletter at themacweekly.com and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at The Mac Weekly. I'm Katherine Irving. Thanks for listening and see you next time.